generally speaking, I think the more conservative you can be with your recovery, especially if you're an athletic person who's very motivated to do more and move and whatever, like less is more. None of us are exempt. And that is a lesson that I feel like the universe is trying to like just like hammer into me. And I'm like, I freaking get it. I am listening. I understand not pushing boundaries here. And that's something I want to pass on to you that you just, there's just so many variables, just like pregnancy or postpartum. There's so many variables that are outside of our control. So let's give ourselves the best opportunity to navigate our choices as smart as possible. Welcome to the Practice Brave Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Battles, a strength and conditioning coach and the founder of Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism. The Practice Brave podcast brings you the relatable, trustworthy, and transparent health and fitness information you're looking for when it comes to coaching, being coached, and transitioning through the variables of motherhood and womanhood. If you're a pregnant or postpartum athlete or a coach working with this population, this show is specifically designed for you. All right, let's get started. Welcome back to the Practice Brave podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about the recovery and return to exercise experience that I have had since having my breast implants removed about two and a half months ago. So while I am still in the early stages, I do feel like I'm out of the the trenches, right? I have a little bit more context and for better or for worse, this is not my first rodeo, so to speak. I, I have gone through recoveries before in terms of my breasts even. And I feel like I was able to have a lot more context and guidance for how to navigate this process in a way that's really prioritized my mental health, my physical health, my overall healing. And overall, it's been a really positive process. I know for many people, there's a huge barrier to getting their implants removed because of the fear of recovery and what that process is going to look like and how much is it going to derail my life or my fitness or um, my family dynamic, whatever it might be. So there are a lot of barriers and I do want to call attention to that and I want to share what it has been like for me and some tips at navigating it, just stuff that maybe you won't hear elsewhere. So before we really get into the details of this episode, I want to make sure that you have listened to the first episode I recorded on getting my implants removed. That was the episode right before this, episode 32. So if you've not listened to that one yet, please listen to that for context. It'll help so much that I talk about here make sense. You'll be like, wait, what? Explain that more. Like I, I will have explained it in the previous episode. So I just want to make that really clear. This is, I mean, I should have from the beginning said this was a two-part series, so to speak, but I really feel that this could almost be an ongoing topic of conversation because there's not a whole lot of people that get the spectrum of considerations for um, this surgery and any breast or aesthetic surgery. It's all a big deal and it is worth shining some practical light on. I do want to also say that today's episode is brought to you by my own Lululemon affiliate store. And I'm doing that because my favorite bra, the Enlight Front Zip bra, was my go-to bra for recovery. And people have asked me, what bra did you wear? What did you like? And I had a couple, but um, to be 100% honest, even if I wasn't a Lululemon ambassador, I love this Front Zip bra because of the material 
Um, it was really soft. It was the front zip, which was good for having, um, not having to like take my bra off over my head, just being able to put it around my shoulders and zip it up the front. I made a really big difference, um, recovering from the surgery and the need to be compressed, but also still comfortable. So I cannot recommend that bra enough. And I actually, that was my go-to running bra even before surgery. So if you are somebody who has uh, like large breasts and you're looking for just even a high impact bra, that can also be a good one because of the amount of um, compression and comfort it offers. So that is linked in the show notes. You can check that out if that's something that you have been curious about. I truly, truly love it. And I still wear it because I think it's a great bra. It just happened to also be really great for recovering from the explant. So like I mentioned in episode 32, I got my implants out for a variety of reasons. It all came down to, I pretty much knew from very early on that my body just wasn't happy. Like it just didn't really react to the implants well at all. And it seemed to just be this ongoing something new was always coming up. And while a lot of my symptoms that I had were very subtle, and I'm even always hesitant to say like, oh, I had breast implant illness. I don't even really know about that. But I do know is that my body never felt right. And that was something, and I didn't really like how they looked aesthetically. I didn't like how they felt. It just didn't feel right. And I cannot emphasize that enough. There's a lot of gaslighting in this realm of conversation well, maybe it was all in your head or is that really happening? But in the two and a half months since removing them, I feel a lot better in like a lot of ways that were pretty eye-opening for me. Um, And I recently did a post on my Instagram page. If you're not following there, check it out um, at Brianna.battles where I compared and contrast like my face from maybe it was like about the week before surgery to a couple months later. And Even my face looks different. I didn't necessarily think I looked bad before, but again, there are just certain things like the puffiness and um, my skin complexion, things like that, that just look different. And usually I am somebody who says not better, just different, but truly, I think that if I'm really talking about a before and after, I feel and look healthier now. So um, to preview some of the symptoms, because I think that will help lead into the recovery process conversation, some of the weird, really subtle things that I noticed at a variety of times through the course of the almost little over a year and a half of having implants, right? So I did not have them very long. Again, I explained that on episode 32, but I did not have implants long. It was a little over a year and a half that I had them. Um, At the very beginning, I just, this is embarrassing, but I like, I had this weird smell on my chest and kind of my armpit area where I was like, is that, is that me? Like, what is that? It's not that I don't wear deodorant or hadn't showered or like, you know, I have good hygiene. So it was really like an odd thing. Like, what am I smelling? Uh, (laughs) That's embarrassing, but that was true. I noticed my hair got a lot thinner, probably around the pushing the year mark post getting the implants in around the year mark, I felt like my hair changed a lot and I already have thin hair. So that was a really um, alarming symptom for somebody like me. My vision became really sensitive to certain lighting, like fluorescent lighting was horrible. Obviously it's bad for everybody, but like, I really felt like I couldn't open my eyes. Um, Even like my depth perception 
was weird. And I don't wear glasses. I don't have any kind of vision ailments at all. So that was really eye-opening. And there was, I had no intention of a pen there. My gums became really sensitive. Like they would bleed. And this wasn't, none of these things were like a constant, right? These were just things that came up that were like, that hasn't happened before. This is weird. I wonder why that's happening. It's like gum sensitivity. When I brush my teeth, my gums would bleed or they were like bleeding a lot one day. I'm like, what the heck is going on? No idea why. And there was not any change to my diet and exercise has been consistent for over 10 years of my life. So nothing weird there. The digestion related issues from bloating to constipation to um, just like having a digestion, like sensitivity, like sometimes I would have diarrhea. Sometimes I was super constipated. It did not matter what I ate. Again, I have a really well-balanced diet. It just seemed to always be problematic um, where I hadn't had issues like that prior. I had delayed wound healing, like I talked about in the previous episode, which again was weird. I had never had any issues recovering or healing. And yet here I am, my body just seemed angry. Like it was not able to truly heal well and like no history of like keloiding scars or wound healing issues. So it was very strange that uh, otherwise really healthy person like me was having such significant wound healing issues um, in increase in infections and stuff like that. There was also yeast on my chest and like my pubic area, like not a yeast infection, like on the inside, but just like my pubic region. I just, it it was almost like I had um, like a razor burn and nothing seemed to treat it. And eventually just went away on its own, but that was like chronic for probably a month or two where I just didn't feel totally right. And it was unlike any other symptoms of like, it wasn't like a typical yeast infection, so to speak, in presentation of symptoms. I really didn't know what was going on. I thought, oh God, I'm just super sensitive, I guess. So that was odd. My periods became more irregular. They were shortened in time. So like a 22 to 24 day cycle compared to like 28. Early on when I had my implants put in, I had this weird iron taste in my mouth and I had no idea why. And and it just would not go away. That like metallic-y, kind of taste. And I was not like deficient in anything. All of my um, blood work was really good. So it was odd that I was tasting that. I had some like almost like dandruff or like a flaking scalp. So if I would like rub around my hairline where my forehead meets my hair, like there's like little like flakes of skin that would come off again, super weird. Um, not hygiene related, not shampoo and conditioner related. It just was like, my skin was just flaky. I sometimes had swollen feet and ankles after I would sit for a while, which was really unusual for me. Um, My lower abdomen would have like some distension where one side would be like more swollen or bloated looking than the other. My arms and my face felt pretty puffy. I had really bad anxiety, like a full day of like crazy levels of anxiety that were almost debilitating a day or two before I'm starting my period. And I've never had that before. Again, all of my hormones were totally okay. I talked about that on the previous episode. Um, so I did have an extensive blood work and hormone stuff like to just kind of see, is everything okay? Am I okay? And the only thing that did come up in that blood work was my white blood cell count was high. At first I thought just because of surgery, um, you know, obviously my body's inflamed. It's been through so much. I was on antibiotics a lot for almost like six months um, with like ongoing infection issues. And so I kind of defaulted to thinking that the white blood cell count being elevated was just because of 
you know, my body having to recover, but it never went down. Like it just was almost now this chronically high white blood cell count number. And I had extensive testing done with a hematologist, which was super, um, it was really scary feeling like, Oh God, but there were no indicators of there being, you know, the scary stuff. It was just, everything kept circling back to just seems like you're really inflamed. And he was thankfully super supportive of me getting my implants out and said that he's had a lot of patients who see dramatic improvement in their overall inflammation once getting implants removed. So I definitely did not feel like he was gaslighting my symptoms or anything like that and was taking me seriously and my concerns seriously. So I really appreciated that experience. And that was um, probably within a month before getting my implants removed that I had had like, you know, we got to the bottom of that and he, I don't know, just made me feel pretty good about it. So now that I've gone over a lot of the symptoms that I've had, I just like to have that as context. Again, nothing was dramatic. And I think it's really easy for us to tell ourselves like, oh, it's not a big deal and like dismiss symptoms. And women chronically do that. We just say like, oh, it's probably fine. Oh, it's just this. Oh, it's just that. And we're almost afraid of like trying to look into it. And I get it. Like is it is intense and scary and overwhelming to feel like something's wrong or something's off and then not be taken seriously. And there's so much of that that happens. So leading into this episode, and as always, what I have preached in my business for years is you have to be an advocate for yourself. And if something doesn't feel right, if you feel like there's information missing, you were the only one who has control over moving that dial forward and getting information. And if you have even for a second thought that, oh, I don't know about my breast implants, or this is a really unresolved issue, or this is something no one can figure out, whether it's autoimmune or autoimmune like realm or, or anything else. If you have that like question mark, all of my subtle symptoms have essentially resolved. I feel way different now, but the people that have had much more significant symptoms than me seem to have dramatic improvements after removing their breast implants. So it's been really interesting to kind of sit back and listen to different people's experiences and see what a improved lifestyle these people have once removing their implants. So again, if this is something that you've ever felt like questionable about, you know, you're, you're not crazy. Like you're just not. And I don't remember the exact statistic, but I don't think people realize that once you put implants in, there's a very high likelihood of a secondary surgery, whether it's replacement or contracture, like what I had, or um, they want to go bigger or they want to get a lift or just whatever. Like there was just such a high incidence of repeat surgeries. And that was another reason why I didn't want to go in and say, oh, we'll just like correct the contracture, get in like a new set of implants or whatever. Like, no, I just want to be done. I do not want to have surgeries for the rest of my life and have the potential of something going wrong or have the potential of just like more issues. I just wanted to be in my body and I take full ownership for my choice to get them in the first place. And I take full like pride in knowing that it just wasn't right for me and I'm okay not having them. And I am okay admitting that there was a wrong choice for my body. And I don't want to carry shame with that. And I don't want anyone else to carry shame with that either. We are all on our own like journey and process of figuring out the best choice for our body at that given point in time. And you know what? Sometimes it wasn't the best choice. And then we can always address that. So that is where I am at in terms of 
symptoms and how I feel. I understand that maybe my aesthetic result is not always a standard aesthetic result. For a lot of people that didn't have as much breast tissue, it is a dramatic shift once removing um, implants. And I do want to acknowledge that um, and almost my, my privilege in that, that situation because um, I did have a lot of breast tissue prior. So the removal of the implants wasn't for me, it was actually an aesthetic improvement. And I know that is not the case for everybody. And so this is a journey that uh, it's a journey of self-acceptance of a little bit more neutrality toward our body. And the only thing that has ever helped me get to a point through different surgeries and recoveries and just processes is becoming a mom, whatever it might be, and coaching so many different people is our body will evolve anyway. It will keep changing anyway where we are and who we look like or what we look like now and what we can do right now, all of that is, it's truly fleeting. And the best thing we can do is make choices to give ourselves the best chance at a healthy, long life. And that has nothing to do with what you look like on the outside. Um, And that helps bring me home whenever my brain like spirals about like, wait, gain weight loss. Like I can't do this anymore or I'm not ready to do that yet. And like that athlete brain can be relentless and shows up in so many different ways. And so that always helps me kind of reel in my priority is that, you know, I want to be an active, healthy mom with my kids. And I feel like I can do that now. And I want to be continue my athletic pursuits and I'm going to keep doing that. And I will keep doing that for as long as I possibly can. And that's my goal. my goal has nothing to do with what I look like. And so making peace with that is something I think that we are all on our own journey with, but I do want to acknowledge that because I know that is a huge, it's another huge barrier for people um, making the choice to remove their implants because they're afraid of what they're going to look like. And it's super valid. And it is something that, you know, it does take a lot of like internal work and a lot of support. So we're going to talk about the recovery and return to exercise after getting implants out. So a couple things that are important to note is that because I had been through so much with like wound healing, that was a huge priority to me. That was a huge fear of even having another surgery again was the potential of like infection or complications or wounds healing or my body not liking the sutures or whatever. Fortunately, my surgeon just assured me that he would keep very close tabs on me and he did. So I'm... When you are recovering, you have to keep in mind that it's just like with postpartum. It's not like, uh, not if you can, it's like the, should you, like, should you be doing this right now? It's not, it's not really about like your ability, but we do have to keep in mind, um, you know, the first week or two, the priority is resting, keeping yourself elevated, icing, walking, but like really conservatively, like you're not trying to go out on like a three mile walk to like get an exercise. You're just doing like a leisure walk to increase some in circulation. Just a lot of compression, whether it's with a bra or like I ended up putting an ACE bandage wrap around my chest to help with that. Being really cognizant of not using your arms very much. So like, for example, I needed to have my husband like get the coffee mugs down so that I wasn't reaching up to grab them from my cabinet. Um, and it's not to say like, don't use your arms at all, but just like really limit that range of motion and the frequency of which you're using your arms because they're, they are healing. And this might be different for people that um, did not get a lift or anything like that. But generally speaking, I think the more conservative you can be, 
with your recovery, especially if you're an athletic person who's very motivated to do more and move and whatever, like less is more. None of us are exempt. And that is a lesson that I feel like the universe is trying to like, just like hammer into me. And I'm like, I freaking get it. I am listening. I understand not pushing boundaries here. And that's something I want to pass on to you that you just, there's just so many variables, just like pregnancy or postpartum. There's so many variables that are outside of our control. So let's give ourselves the best opportunity to navigate our choices as smart as possible. Okay. Um, so that's like the first couple of weeks. The focus is really just doing less. I'd also say like, don't put ointments on your scars. A lot of people want to, you know, improve their, the, the look of the scars. Your scars will get redder before they get better. And that's something my friend who's a dermatologist told me, and it is really just letting your body heal, but you do not want to put anything on any open wound or even an area that's like newly healed and closed. It is better to just let your body do its thing and try to reduce any amount of water and moisture that goes onto that area. I had the Steri strips on for a while. Um, they eventually kind of peeled off. Every surgeon has their own recommendations for that. So I'm not stepping into the care part for your wounds, but I will say like less moisture, the better compression tends to be like a really positive thing because there is a lot of swelling. Like your boobs are going to look good right away. Um, they they might look really bad initially and then get better over time. Like everyone has such a different experience. Um, my incisions looked incredible and that was so affirming because I was so afraid of there being something wrong. <laughs> um, and it's a bit traumatized from my previous experiences, like I talked about in the previous episode. So I had a lot of anxiety around that and I was willing to do whatever I possibly could to give my body the best chance to heal and to let everything close well. And when you get a breast lift, there is it's really common actually to have like a small opening um, in the T region of the scar. So most lifts are a vertical scar down from the nipple down straight down the breast and then a horizontal scar that kind of like goes along the, I'm drawing on my boobs, but you can't see that right now. <laughs> um, that goes along like your under boob. So in that scar, depending on what kind of lift you have, it looks different for everybody so where the vertical meets the horizontal, that's where there can be like a lot of openings because of the amount of tension that sits on that area, right? Even if you have really little boobs, um, there's still, they're still likelihood just because that's a lot of tension at that cross section. So it's something to be super mindful of. And I harp on that because I feel like that was not something that I knew anything about, like wound care and taking care of it and all that stuff until I had to learn. So I'm trying to tell you guys keep an eye out for disproportional swelling, any kind of like centralized, like any like bruising in certain areas. Cause that can be a sign of like a hematoma potentially and any just like pain that you're like, this is not normal. Um, I did take some pain medication for a couple days, but my body just really does not like pain meds. And I know that I really did it just to, you know, to just try to help with my recovery and like make me do less, but I didn't like feeling the way that being on medication made me feel. So I weaned off of that within, I'd say like two and a half days, maybe, but I was still on an antibiotic. So because of that, that was like a preemptive antibiotic. 
Um, definitely taking a probiotic is a good idea. Run that by your doctor. They sometimes have very strict rules on like certain supplements to take or not take. And I'm not going to give you advice there. I will say, please talk with your surgeon for your unique considerations um, for anything like that. And plus you will get, there's just so many opinions out there about, oh, take this and take that. And sometimes there's just like not a whole lot of evidence for that. So don't go spending a crazy amount of money on a lot of different like supplements or ointments or whatever. A lot of the times, like it's, it's just not, it's just not it. But again, talk to your surgeon about that. This is not, that's not my thing. I'm just going to kind of put that out as a warning. So those are some main, I'd say like recovery themes to focus on early on in your recovery. Like that first two to three weeks are just so crucial for that. Um, really prioritizing your sleep, your rest, your ice, your compression, sleeping elevated. I slept with um, a pregnancy pillow, which is really helpful for me. And um, just try to stay really elevated. There's no sleeping on your sides or your back, which is really hard. Sometimes I'm a belly sleeper. So that was not happening for probably at least six weeks for me. Stuff like that sucks, right? Like it's really hard to make some of these adjustments. But again, similar to postpartum, it's a short-term sacrifice for a long-term healing and um, ability to do the things that we want to do. And I was willing to play the long game. And that's where leveraging that athlete brain comes into play is knowing how to surrender to a temporary time and do the small things that will yield the greatest return, right? Like it's truly your return on the investment that you're putting into your recovery so that it'll help you do the things that you want to do and your body heal. Because having setbacks it sucks. I know for those of you who've been injured or maybe had complications here or there, or like significant symptoms for whatever it might be in your life, having that setback totally sucks. And, and then having to look back and say, Oh God, I wish I would have done this differently. Like there's a lot of that that happens. So I just, um, I just want to put it out there that, you know, you do what you can, we cannot control all the variables that's for certain, but, um, we can control our approach and the permission we give ourselves to, adjust to this process. So your how you, that mental approach is really, really crucial. So that was kind of like the recovery part of things. I will say that I did to kind of pivot into the fitness realm. I did start walking pretty early on, but again, more from a leisure standpoint, not from like an exercise standpoint. It was just to get out of the house, get some sunshine, and move my body for circulation, not for exercise. So that was, I walked maybe a mile, mile and a half. I think I worked up to two miles by around two weeks post-surgery. And again, super slow. <laughs> like I, I, I remember getting some of my work calls done and um, it just was sort of just lightly walking down the street, no rush, no sweating, like not trying to work hard at all again because you're also trying to control moisture and in your breast region with a sports bra on or whatever and then the compression it's easy to get sweaty they're fast and I did not want that so not only was my exercise like moisture really regulated like in the shower as well like I tried to keep my boobs like just like light normal soap over over my chest but not having like direct water on so that obviously also rules out um, being in the bath or spa or anything like that like for, um, honestly, I'd say like at least six weeks, it is just not worth opening a vulnerable wound at that point in time. Um, so I was doing a lot more walking. I think that's a really positive thing to do early on, both for mental health and circulation, just getting your body moving again. 
by week three, I was feeling a lot more independent. Like I felt like I wasn't as needy with just the the day-to-day stuff. I was with my kids more independently. I actually did a long drive to see family at that point in time. And so I felt like I could mentally and physically do more, but I wasn't picking up my kids or anything like that. Like there was no holding chance. Um, Like I could hug them and cuddle, but I'm not, I was not lifting them at all. So that was something to be really mindful of, especially if you have little kids that you're lifting or need to lift. My kids were able to get by for the most part without me doing that. So yeah, by week three, I would say I was feeling a lot more independent. One thing that actually started happening to me around week three was my skin started flaking. And look, it's one thing to have dry skin. I live in California. Like my skin is like pretty dry a lot of the time. Um, And I use lotion and it's fine. For about three days, I was like a snake, like shedding skin like crazy. I would like rub my arm and skin would just like flake off. And then my leggings, when I took them off, there was just flaky skin everywhere. I'm like, what the hell is this? And it just was like dry skin that was just like flaked off that covered every part of my leggings. It was so odd. I'll probably share a picture of that once this episode airs. But it was really odd. I'm telling you, it really felt like my body was going through this weird detox. And I know there's a lot of like, <laughs> like detox can be a really um, extreme word. And so I try to use that very like reasonably. But from everything from my digestion to like how I was pooping, <laughs> that was crazy. Like it was so different. And I told Jared at one point, I'm like, I think that's like the best poop I've ever had in my life. Like weird, my digestion just totally changed and was like ridding everything. That was crazy. The skin was crazy. And then my face started to just like shift and change a little bit. That was something my mom and sister were like, dude, you look way different. Like, I don't know what it is, but something about your face looks different. So those were some things um, that I thought were really, really odd that I do want to mention here. Maybe that was just like a me thing, but it's something that, uh, I don't know. I think I would have wanted to know ahead of time. Like that's maybe within the realm of normal. (laughs) So uh, now that you guys know literally like everything about me, that was, that was interesting. So still not working out or anything like that. Um, by week four, you know, I felt like I could do more. I, I did like a 20 minute bike ride on the Peloton, like not coming out of the saddle. Like, so I wasn't putting any pressure on my arms. But to be 100% honest, it just didn't feel right. Something just was like, you know, I just don't think you're ready. Like, I don't want to push boundaries. And I almost know myself well enough to say, like, just, you just need to chill out a little bit longer. And I feel like for me, that was like a big sign of growth as an athlete, as a coach, and just someone who's really trying to leverage my health for the greater good. So I did literally like one 20 minute ride where I just was chilling. And after that, I'm like, I don't, I'm just going to wait probably till six weeks. And at that point, the holidays were coming up. So I exercise was not a priority anyway. Moving, yes. Doing my walks, I was doing like two to three miles, sometimes four miles a day. And that felt really good, again, because it was super leisurely and without the pressure of like trying to get in a workout. I know it's a hard place for people to be because they want to get back to the gym. And they, they want to see improvements. But I was in it to play the long game of performance and healing. So by week eight, that's when like I had 
lightly been doing some workouts like around week six, week six and week seven. I was working out, but really it was just getting back on the Peloton. It was walking some hills and it was doing some body weight or really lightweight workouts. And that felt good to me, almost like in a circuit form. So for all of my athletes and coaches out there, it was really just like this onboarding process into getting into a fitness routine again. Not super structured, not, it just wanted to go with what felt right, what felt good with my body, knowing I'm now deconditioned, I'm recovering from a surgery, it's the holiday time or coming off of the holidays. I'm not quite ready to like throw a barbell on my back and start a structured program, but I was really trying to onboard my body and my overall like lifestyle routine at that point in time. So by eight weeks, um, I was ready to add a little bit more structure to my training. And this is still pretty recent for me to be completely honest, as I'm recording this podcast, I'm still in the early trenches of getting more structure to my training, but it feels good. So I introduced the barbell, I'm doing the practice brave programming and we're doing right now, we happen to be doing a, like a five, three, one Wendler structure to the compound lifts with some accessory movements and some light conditioning. And I can, you know, maybe have like a lifting day and then do the conditioning on a separate day that feels good and modify it for what I need. So I'm not doing anything overhead. I'm well, I'm doing really light, lightweight and small, like in uh, very minimal volume overhead, just kind of working that range of motion again. I am still swollen in my lats and the musculature of my chest is still in a healing phase. So I'm not doing bench press or push-ups, pull-ups, anything like that, where there's a lot of focus um, around the lats and chest region. I'm not doing anything like that. Um, so I'm just being really cognizant, even like front squats, for example, we think about the leg dominated movement, but having to hold that front rack, like that's not good for me right now. Doing power cleans would not be good for me right now. I need to build to that over time and by really just getting strong in my main lifts first. So just like recovering from any other surgery or postpartum process, it's going through the mechanics again and then loading it gradually and then being, and being able to control those movements and feel really good about that. And that's the stage that I'm currently in right now is being able to trust the programming structure and yeah, I'm doing Peloton. I feel fine coming out of the saddle now. It's so much easier to like have some kind of weight in my upper body. That feels fine. I can do some farmer carries. I'm doing like sled pulls. I'm not doing a lot of sled pushing right now or anything like that. But just trying to have like a really well-rounded fitness program versus something that's like, I don't know. I think there are a lot of times people try to have like these specific programs but I think I just need to rebuild my base and be mindful of how much involvement my upper body has and reintroduce upper body movements with very lightweight and very low volume to just work that range of motion again. Um, Cause it can feel really restricting for a while and it's an okay thing to have to rebuild capacity. in. so again, like the practice brave programming, obviously I, I write that programming. So I do have a bias there. But that helps give me that well-balanced approach to my training. And then the other days, I'm filling that in with hiking or some basic conditioning on the bike. I did start running. But with running, I want to say and, and kind of make a note on impact in general, save the impact. Like that is one of the last things that you're adding in. 
even now, like I'm not a runner, you guys, but I do like to run three or four miles a couple days a week. That's kind of my relationship with running. So I run enough <laughs> and uh, wearing a really supportive sports bra, no matter the size of your breasts after surgery is really crucial and not don't start out your exercise routine with running. That's something like you should have some kind of baseline of movement before heading out on your first run. Running takes a while to rebuild capacity. Things have changed a little bit. You might be holding more tension in your upper body region and all of that impacts your gait. So just really rebuilding your strength foundation and then add in some running, being mindful of how much strain that is on your chest. So again, no matter how big your boobs are, um, that can still be a big demand on that musculature. So taking things like intensity, dynamic movements. So if like my CrossFitters out there, you're probably not going to be doing muscle ups right away. Like you're probably not going to be doing pull-ups right away, even though maybe those movements are typically easy for you. Oh, they're body weight, but they're still very dynamic and they're very technical. And that's a lot of effort on your chest and your upper body. And that's something that I would really caution doing in the early stages of exercising again. I would think that like by the three, four-ish months post-op, if you don't have any complications and things are looking good, can probably build into that again. You will not lose your ability. It's just going to take some time to get back into, but it's there's no loss here. It's truly a pause. And that is something that going through multiple circumstances has truly taught me is my expectations for what I want to do. Like I can still do those things. I just might have to work back to them. And that timeline just might look different. And that's okay. Ultimately, I just want to be healthy and I want to exercise. I want to have a good relationship with my body, a good relationship with my training and eating routine. And that is what I have very high in my value system of health and wellness. So save the high volume, save the heavy load, save the dynamics, save just the repetitive, um, kind of like plyometric movements, all of that stuff, just work back into it. Establish your base first. Again, this is the basics of strength programming and, and of progressive overload. But I think it's tempting when we've been away from something for so long to want to jump back in and kind of pick up where we left off or get back to the things that we want to do, but you really need to earn it. And I don't say that in like a, you got to earn it. I don't know. Like, I don't say it like that, but just more of um just be strategic with your training so that you don't have setbacks. Honor what your body has been through and the process that it's undergoing physiologically to help you continue to heal. And maybe you're somebody who had really significant symptoms. Your body is trying to find its new homeostasis and honor that. We don't need to stress it out by intense workouts and really pushing boundaries to like get back into things or to be really restrictive with our eating or anything like that. Like our body needs love and support and nourishment. So exercise should complement the season that you're in. It should not challenge it. And I really want us all, I'm going to speak to myself here, to, to really um, keep that in mind as we go through any season of change and recovery and building back into it. Because there's a lot of variables at play that, you know, we're, we're, we're not just talking about surgery when we talk about recovery. Like we're talking about, you know, people navigating we're talking about them navigating their worth. We're talking about them navigating and leveraging their mindset. We're talking about the aesthetic changes. We're talking about the physiological changes. And we kind of have to take a step back and honor and prioritize where we're at 
at this moment in time to take us to the place that we want to go. And I hope that this conversation has helped to give you some insight on some of the healing, like healing considerations. And I'm not an expert. I'm truly like, this is not medical advice. This is sharing my personal experience and what I have learned to prioritize and value through my different experiences and what seemed to have worked very well this time now. Again, I feel so much better and healthier in my body. And it's something that I can't exactly pinpoint one thing. It's just an overall, I feel better. I think I look better. And most importantly, I feel validated in the choice of getting them removed. And that is a good feeling because sometimes I, like I said earlier, you can feel like you're making yourself crazy. Like, is this real? Is this a problem? Is that different? I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe it's just me. And like, I don't know about you, but I asked my husband, like, does this look different? Like, I don't know. Like, so he's not always the best person for feedback and stuff like that. So I think that's the biggest thing is I feel validated and at peace and peace is something that God, I wish for everybody to just find peace in their body and their choices and forgiveness for what was and advocacy for what you need to do so that you can get to a point where you feel like, yeah, I'm validated in how I feel and the place I'm operating from. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Again, go to my show notes and you can check out that link for the sports bra, the friend zip in light bra from Lululemon. It is just my affiliate store as an ambassador. Um, if you want to check out the practice break programming, I did mention that that is also linked in the show notes. So you can check that out. It's just an online fitness programming that I do with my friend, Heather Osby. So it's just three workouts a week that we give and a great community for effective and just really efficient training that complements life. So check those out. If you have any questions, send me a DM, send me an email. I really appreciate you listening to this episode and for being in this with me and being such a a loving and non-judgmental audience. I appreciate that so much because this has been something I have kept from everyone for almost two years now. So I appreciate you holding the space with me. I am with you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you are a postpartum athlete and you're really trying to figure out what next, what does my return to fitness look like? What do I do about my core, my pelvic floor? How do I get back into the movements I want to do in a way that I feel really confident about? I have you covered because I know exactly what it's like to be where you are as a coach, as an athlete, and as a mom. So I want you to download six exercises for the first six weeks postpartum. It's a free resource and it just goes over everything that I think is really important to take into consideration during those early weeks postpartum. Now, if you're ready to begin more of an exercise program, say you've been cleared by your doctor or midwife, I have a eight week postpartum athlete training program, which acts as the perfect entry back into fitness, into the gym, into the kind of movement that you want to do where it's still respecting the changes your body has gone through and how your baby was delivered, but it really helps connect your rehab into the kind of fitness that you want to do in a way that's relatable and fun and exactly what your body needs right now on behalf of your long-term function and performance.